1: That's Bluenile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. Bluenile.com. The Natural Hat Trick, hosted by Luke Lipinski and Craig Morgan.
0: Welcome in to episode 227 of the Natural Hat Trick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan, <laughs> Natty Hattie. and Matt Lehman. Cool. Thank, thank you for not being Jamie Eisner. I'm Rick Depensky. Here we go. Got
2: that out of the way, quickly.
0: Uh, Since Jamie's not here this week, I would like to remind everybody to rate and review the show, because I feel like the ratings and reviews will go up. Um, We're close, I think, to 100 reviews. And once you hit 100, I don't know, like iTunes throws you a party or something. and More people can listen to your show, or they have to listen to your show, or whatever. If we cross the 100 threshold while Matt is here... It will be the three of
2: us invited to that party. and Jamie won't get an invitation. That's how the rules work.
0: <laughs> Which is better for everybody involved, especially the people throwing the party. I don't know where Jamie is today. No. I hinted at it in yeah, a tweet. You did. I don't want to see anymore. In court any somewhere. Probably. Most likely in court. That's a pretty good guess. Uh, hopefully he's listening to this. He typically does listen when he's not on the show, as if we're going to say something bad about him. I mean, that's so juvenile. You would never. No. Uh, let's start with Mike Babcock. Okay. The Jamie Eisner of of the NHL. juvenile things. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so when we did the show last week, he had just been fired, and we were wondering if that was going to give Toronto a boost against the Coyotes, which it clearly did. Uh, Also, the Coyotes kind of gave Toronto a boost against the Coyotes, but um, that's a separate conversation, I guess. Now the stories, it's not like like no stories had ever filtered out about Mike Babcock before, but I feel like more are coming out now because he just got fired by Toronto. Most famously, the Mitch Marner story, where he—I uh, don't know—somebody else to tell the Marner story, no, so it's not go. just me talking. Where he? What did, okay, if I have this right, he had Marner rank the players from hardest to least hardest working on the Maple Leafs when mm-hmm. Marner was a rookie, sure, and then proceeded to reveal the list to Marner's teammates. Yes,
1: in, in front—I I believe it was with Marner there too yes. in the dressing room. Yeah. yeah, I believe is what the story is told. That's,
2: um, that's an abuse of power. That's just putting your player in an awful situation this, and. This reminds me of the stories I heard about Mike Keenan, the way he used to deal with his players. He'd play mind games like this, pit them against each other. It's just unprofessional. And this is the kind of thing, at his age too, in my opinion, that might ensure that you never work in the league again.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting discussion because he's one of the all-time winningest coaches. It's not like he's done something like legally bad, right? But it's just the sort of thing that if you're running a team do you want him coaching your team? Like, it doesn't make him a bad guy, but in 2019 or beyond, since we're almost in 2020, do you want him coaching a team with young players? Right. At the same time, he's had a lot of success, and it's not like he was physically abusing players. It's just, the, the, I feel like that's the sort of tactic they used back in the sixties or but something yeah
2: you know? it's it's exactly it's an old school approach. I don't even want to call it an old school approach because it it's it's almost insulting to old school approach. It's just the wrong approach. It's unprofessional. You can't do that to guys and and we had already heard whispers that the younger players didn't like this guy so how how would any team justify bringing this guy in now with the way the league has gone? It's gone much younger. We're seeing that all across the league. How how do you bring a guy like this in who's going to be going into his
1: 60s? I I don't think so. Well, and one one thing that always gets attached to Mike Babcock is how stubborn he's known to be. Mm -hmm. Very stubborn in a lot of ways. And to me, this ties into that. He's stubborn. He doesn't want to change the things he does. So if you have a guy that there's a story or multiple stories out there of him acting crazy and doing stuff that's completely inappropriate, and now the league is getting younger and he's stubborn, allegedly – and doesn't want to change his ways, then why would you think that you could bring him into your locker room and he's going to be any different than the Mike Babcock that is is out there, the legend of Mike Babcock and all these stories.
0: Yeah, it's it's weird too because the timing of this, you look and you say, Okay, and we were talking about it last week, you know, if you if you were a team that held on to your coach or hired a different coach that wasn't Dave Tippett or Joel Quenville in the last, you know, year or whatever. Would you give up your current coach for Mike Babcock? If you're, if you're like, if you're debating, if you're New Jersey or if you're somebody like that, this is a week ago before these stories started to come out or, or Seattle. I mean, if you're going to start a new franchise, do you, <laughs> Craig just <laughs> ate a donut ball like a dog that somebody threw a treat to and you had to catch it out of midair? <laughs> Um I mean, if you're Seattle, do you want, because that was the rumor last week, you want Mike Babcock coaching your team. I can just tell you this, and again, the Coyotes did not play well against Toronto, but that team looked free and happy. Mitch Marner was hurt, so he was in the press box. He just showed up in our booth, m- mostly just to to try and distract Paul Bissonette while we were on the air. But he was all running around and happy. I mean, they just looked like a much different team and they've only played two games as we record this but they just feel like but they two are joining hockey and, yeah, yeah
2: exactly <laughs> they I, just I, looked it,
0: miserable before that
2: they did and it, look i didn't even think they looked that great against the coyotes i thought it was more the coyotes just played a, an awful I game the same thing yeah. yeah yeah but we all know how good this team can be when they're playing near the top of their game and, and we've seen it uh, for long stretches it just felt like something was wrong here i, I think that this change is really going to spark this team
1: Well, and even if you remove some of the the extracurricular stuff, the Mitch Marner story and, and other things that you've heard about Mike Babcock, even if you just evaluate it from purely a hockey perspective... Mike Babcock has coached some really good teams over the years, like yes. really, really talented mm-hmm. teams. Mm-hmm. So even then you have to question how much is Mike Babcock responsible for the success that his, his teams have had in the past. The Detroit and you, Red and Wings. You, yeah, yes. the Detroit Red Wings, hello. And then you have the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are maybe one of the most talented rosters in the league. They're struggling this year, and the past three years they couldn't get out of the first round of the playoffs. So for those reasons, I would have questions about I hiring st- yeah. I think mean, Toronto's
0: like, the most talented roster in the
2: NHL. I think there's a, a talent to managing that many stars and personalities, I do think that exists. I mean, Phil, Phil Jackson took the same criticism in the NBA, but I think there's there's a talent to that. You have to manage the, the egos, and he managed to do that both in Chicago and L.A. But yeah, the, the, uh, the face of the NHL has changed, and I'm
0: not sure that this is a guy who can relate
2: to the new era of players.
0: It does raise the question, though. I mean, now everybody is acting like, oh, yeah, we knew this all along, and these stories were bound to come out, and people that play the game know these stories. Well, then why did Toronto hire him in the first place? They knew they were rebuilding with a young team. Again, it doesn't make him a bad guy, but if all these players claim to know this, and we never heard stories like this coming out of Detroit, why did Toronto go out there and say, oh, yeah, Mike Babcock's the guy we got to have? When they hired him, they didn't have Austin Matthews. Or Marner at that point. They didn't have Marner yet even, did they? Or they had just drafted him, I believe. Um, So he hadn't actually played yet. But you knew you were rebuilding. Even in Toronto, you knew you were rebuilding. You hadn't won a cup in 49 years at that point, and you had a terrible team. I mean, Toronto had a very bad team for a while. It's hard to remember that now. Uh, It's surprising to me that if, if everybody inside the locker rooms knew this, why even hire him in the first place?
2: Yeah, that's, and I don't know if they knew the extent of this. And by the way, it's, uh, an offshoot of this story. I don't know if you guys saw this last night that a, a former Calgary Flames forward has leveled some allegations against Calgary's current coach, Bill Peters, that he directed a racial slur against him when, when both were in the minors about a decade ago. It's Akeem Alou. He He tweeted several things last night. Um, but the... Uh, the uh, the gist of it is this quote, not very surprising the things we're hearing about Babcock, alou wrote, referring to the fallout since Babcock was fired, of course. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Same sort of deal with his protege in YYC, which is code. That's actually the Calgary airport code. So oh. uh, drop me that drop the end. have flown in there. Okay. <laughs> drop the N bomb several times toward me in the dressing room in my rookie year because he didn't like my choice of music. OK. Wow. Brad tree leaving got wind of this during the game last night told reporters we're aware of it we're we're going to check into it and we're going to get back to you we do take this very seriously
1: well that's not great i hadn't heard that story yet yeah super yeah really unfortunate to see something like that and you hope that um, that either it's not true or if it is true the appropriate action is taken and it's it's tough especially when bill peters was maybe one of the guys you would say was on the hot seat just mm-hmm. for the on-ice <laughs> stuff and now you have off-ice allegations now you got an easy out if you want to get rid of him now, I yeah. think I would I would imagine that if if the allegation is that this happened maybe in the locker room, then it would be pretty easy to go ask some of the other players that were on that team at the time and figure out yep. what exactly was said. Yep. So I would I would imagine we'll hear the outcome of this pretty soon.
0: Going back to Babcock for a second, I mean the the, the thing is, if Toronto was winning, he was still going to be on the hot seat this year. I think we had pretty well established if they didn't get out of the first round, he was probably getting fired. Right. But if Toronto had Washington's record right now. All the Marner stuff and those stories like that would still be being brushed under the rug because right. they because they're winning. You know <laughs> that's that's the uh, the crazy thing. But well, I, and also because simply because he's there, you can't you can't come out and reveal stuff like this when the coach is still in play. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like they, it's not like they would have heard that and been like, no, he's got to go. Like, no, he's winning, this is Toronto, we got to keep him. And that's not a Toronto thing. Any market, you're winning, they're going to keep the coach unless he's doing something egregious.
2: Don't you wonder what else is going to come out now about him? I don't think this is the end of it.
0: No, I mean. You, I guess you run that risk when you well a you treat your players like that, mm-hmm. but b I mean there are coaches out there that that their players don't like but they respect you know what I mean yeah but it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like a lot of Babcock's former players respected him either and that's a fine line to walk you can you can be a coach and not be your players friend and get a lot out of them and and they will come to work and be like yeah I hate that guy but he's a great coach you know and I respect what he's doing it just doesn't sound like that's the case with Babcock yeah so. Uh, How about Robert Bortuzzo? um, I should mention, too, we're going to talk to Daniel Nugent Bowman of The Athletic here, get some insight on Edmonton very shortly. That team, well, those top two players are amazing. And then there's other guys on the roster as well, for some reason. Uh, Robert Bortuzzo with the... Was it even a cross-check? What was that? The the first one, I guess, where he threw Victor Arvidsson into the crossbar was kind of a cross-check. The second one was, like, you entered Miles Garrett territory with the second hit. And he gets a four game suspension.
1: Yeah, I think the. Matt has a
0: different take. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Craig keeps saying that. Now I want to hear Matt's yeah, take. Yeah, Craig keeps foreshadowing. This is
2: Matt's hot take right oh, here. I, okay. Do we have a drop for this?
0: Yeah, it's somebody. Matt's hot take. <laughs> somebody touching an oven and just screaming, ooh, it's scorching hot. That's <laughs> for a, a moment. <laughs> yeah, I'll drop I, that I don't one. think my opinion Matt's on- hot take. Sorry, that's awful too.
1: Nope, nope, that's getting saved. <laughs> I uh well I told Craig before we recorded that I might have a slightly different or unpopular opinion on this and I didn't tell him what it was and he's gone on to foreshadow multiple times that I have this ridiculous and crazy thing to say which dun, I don't think dun, I do. Dun. No, I just so as far as what happened it's weird he kind of caught Victor Arvidson in an awkward position when he was on the ground. He kind of had his legs folded underneath him if he, if Arvidson maybe I'm not blaming Arvidsson. It was, it was completely Robert Bortuzzo's fault. But it was maybe the position that Arvidsson was in when he got hit that maybe uh, it was part of why he got injured. But uh, anyway, Robert Bortuzzo obviously should not have done that. It was, uh, look, it sh- you
2: drop an NHL terminology <laughs> there, too. It's <laughs> extremely inappropriate.
1: It was way excessive. There's no reason to do that. No place for that in the game. All of those things. The, the thing that I would say maybe I have a, a bit of an unpopular opinion on is when when the suspension came out that it was four games. A lot of people really, really disagreed with that, and still do. That it was just it was not enough. They should have given him way more. And the reason that I, I don't maybe take that same stance is just because I think a, a lot of people want to see an eye for an eye sort of deal. Well, Arvidson's out a long time, so Portuzo should be out a long time. If you want to suspend Bortuzzo for 10 games or 20 games because he's a repeat offender and because he did something reckless on the ice, I'm fine with that. I don't love this doctrine that guys who are out a long time, the person who injured them has to be out an extensive amount of time also. To me, the the material issue here that has to be evaluated is what was Robert Bortuzzo's intention behind what he did? And also the repeat offender thing. Because uh, to me, if, if you start going down this path of, well, you hurt somebody, so they're out a long time. Well, players are doing dangerous stuff to each other all the time that doesn't necessarily result in an injury. And they don't even get a penalty all the time. For yeah, it. yeah.
0: I, I agree with that. I, I don't think you can look and say, OK, because that can't the, be the sole criteria. No, because right? then you could flip and say, like, what if Arvidson came out of that and he wasn't hurt? So then is it no suspension? So I, I agree with that. But what you have here, first of all, here's rule number one. In, in any sport, if a player is hurt and on the ground, how about don't hit him again intentionally? Because yeah. there's no doubt. There's so many plays where a guy gets hit in the head and we're debating if, if his skates left the ice, if the other guy. And, then, and you're wondering, okay, that's a really bad injury. Was there intent to injure? The second hit by Bortuzzo, I'm watching it on a loop right now. Yeah. There is no way there was not intent to injure there. It's yep. so obvious. There's yep. no debate. Yeah, agreed. The first one I don't really have that big of a problem with, like I understand why it's a penalty. Guys get cleared out in front of the net a lot. You shouldn't really clear him into the crossbar, but that I can look yeah, and say well, that's let Yeah, well, let's talk
2: about that, too, because he is in a vulnerable position, so you ought to maybe uh, hold up a little bit there instead of slamming him into the net because that is a vulnerable—that's a dangerous play in and of itself. But then, yeah, the second shot while well, he's down and, and he's angry, you can see him griping at the official like, oh, he just dove, no— you cross-checked him from behind into the crossbar, and then you gave
0: him another shot while he was down. And then the goalie gives him a shot, too, yeah, by the he way. Did. So. he did. Um, general rule, players don't dive face-first into a crossbar. Yeah, yeah,
2: I'm thinking the same. And, and he does have a history. He's yeah. one of these guys around the league
0: that does this sort of thing frequently. So drop the hammer on him. It, Send a message. In that regard, I am surprised it was only four games. Yeah. We watched the replay, intent to injure, and a repeat offender. That that part surprises me. But I'm, I'm with Matt. You can't just say, okay, well, Arvidson's out four to six weeks, so Bortuzzo's out four to six weeks, because that's it doesn't work like that. No, well, not solely.
2: Again, it can't be. You can't isolate and say that's how it should work all the time. But I think it should come into consideration.
1: It should be one criterion for measuring what you're going to do. I just the re, I don't love that at, at all, just because. You can control your action. You can control what you do to somebody. You can't control the outcome of it. So, I mean, let's, like, even that initial cross check that Portuzo gave Arvidsson in the back that sent him into the net. Well, what if Arvidson had hit his face on the crossbar and he would, you know, he has, has a career ending concussion? Yeah. Well, the difference between that versus what actually happened, where he missed the crossbar entirely, was very small and probably not within the control of Bortuzzo. So that's why I just don't love that. Is like, well, what if he had hit his face and he's out? He, in Again, his it's just
2: one thing that you measure. It's one thing you consider. It's not yeah. the only thing that you that you decide you, you use when you're deciding what sort of punishment. The second blow. That should come into consideration as well. Again, there are, there should be a number of factors you consider here, but I don't think that one should be off the table.
0: No, yeah, I, I agree with you. It can't be totally off the table. But the other the other thing you have to con consider when you think about that. Is like Victor Arvidsson is clearly a better player than Robert Bortuzzo. But what if that was what if Connor McDavid accidentally hits a guy that isn't very good and they get hurt? And what stops that other team from saying, oh, yeah, our guy's out for the year because he's a fourth line guy anyway. So you have to sit McDavid for the year. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's typically the worst player injuring the better player. And in this case, that was clearly the the uh, the situation. But
1: well, the other issue with that, though, too, is that if you if you had uh, Robert Bortuzzo out for the exact same number of games that Arvidson's out well, that doesn't indemnify the Nashville Predators from their loss. It's not like the, it's not like it it You know, it gives them back what they. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't. That doesn't really help. Can you repeat situation.
0: that word? Because the guy who usually sits in that chair just grunts when he talks.
1: Indemnify? Yeah. Okay.
0: So yeah. that's a bigger word than former co-host Jamie Eisner. Can we call him former co-host since he missed this show? Um, than, than he has ever used or ever will use. Craig looks lost, and I think he either missed your word or you sent him no, into a state of shock. No, I got it. I, just, uh, we, I think we just disagree on this one because it's not
2: really about uh, trying to pay back the Predators for their loss. It's about punishing the guy for what he
1: did. Right. I agree with
0: that. All right, joining us now on the line, Daniel Nugent-Bowman of the Athletic Edmonton. Uh, The Oilers are a force this season, mainly led by their their two guys up front, obviously, and Leon Dreisaitl, who actually leads the team in points, and Connor McDavid. Uh, But Daniel, first of all, thanks for the time. I want to start with a name that's familiar to Coyotes fans. What has the impact been uh, of Dave Tippett on this group this year?
3: I think... uh... It's it's uh, hard to quantify exactly what a coach brings, but there's no denying that, that Tippett um, has has kind of transformed from this team and made it a lot better than it were a year ago. Um, you know he has he has that some teams he helped he helped the Coyotes he helps Dallas in his first year uh, those teams and, and lead to kind of mid twenties and, and as of last night it was, it's a it's second so that's quite the jump. Uh, and uh, obviously the goaltending, and, and you know, there's uh, you've talked about the key uh, forwards up front. There's been a few good good performances, but um, there's a, there's kind of a, a different structure and a different feel to this team with with Dave Tippett uh, around.
2: Danny, with what we've heard about Connor McDavid, and you're obviously much closer to the situation there. But Tippett's talked a bit about you know, how coachable he is, how. How easy it is to work with this guy? Is he, in some sense, the perfect leader to convince players to buy into a brand new coach who who does want to overlay quite a bit of structure on this team?
3: I think so. I mean, he, Dave Tippett has said that like, when he gets when the starters, Connor David Leon Leander uh, have the puck, you know he's allowing them to um, you know freelance a little bit and and make the plays that they need to make uh, to be successful and to, I mean, they're, they're the guys that are going to get the points on the team. Um, but they have to be able to buy into the defensive structure as well. And a guy like McDavid, I think that is perfectly fine with him. He is a guy that's, you know, wired to win. He wants to win so badly. Um, you can see by the frustration uh, last season, a few games before the season ended and then the Oilers were officially eliminated for the playoffs, how, how disappointed how frustrated he was. At um, the you know the thought and the the reality of missed for the third third time in the four years of his career. I mean this is the you know the premier superstar. I mean there are, there are a few others obviously, but uh, for him to be in, out in playoffs three or four is not a good look for years this is uh, or him for the league. And he wants to change that. So. Um, he's willing to do whatever it takes to, to, um, kind of have that happen. And, um, and right now, obviously the results, uh, are, are speaking to that. And, um, the others are certainly on track to, to kind of have that playoff, uh, drought end.
1: Uh, Daniel, Matt Lehman here. McDavid and Dreisaitl obviously playing a lot of minutes this year. If you look at the top 50 in minutes uh, in the NHL right now, they're the only two guys that aren't defensemen. Uh, can can these two players hold up playing those kinds of minutes? Uh, 22 minutes for McDavid, almost 23 for Dreisaitl.
3: You'd think not, um, but <laughs> that might be the Oilers' only solution um, because they're pretty thin at a lot of other spots. Uh, in the lineup and and I wrote about this yesterday in the sense that uh, Ryan Eugene Hopkins was out of Sunday's game against the Coyotes um, uh, I, you know the expectation is he won't be out for very long but you know he is clearly the oldest oh, third best forward and uh, plays in all situations which um, you know penalty kill and power play uh, which McDavid certainly doesn't he doesn't kill penalties and dry sidle they would like to get him away from that, but whenever there is a forward uh, who kills penalties missing, Dreisaitl is the next man up. So he's killed uh, quite a bit this year uh, with you know absences of guys like Riley Shahan and, and Josh Archibald, but now even Jude Jarkera. So Dreisaitl, is, you know, one of their best baseball men, if not the best, then their second best. Um, so he has to take a lot of those, you know, defensive draws and, 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 you know, make, maybe even those, those draws to penalty kill at key times. So Dryside will plays a lot. And I mean, the one thing they do have going for them, obviously, is they're right in their primes. Dry will just turn 24. McDavid turns 23 in January. Um, so if there's a time to do it, it's now. Uh, but, you know, in a league that, you know, 82 games is, is a lot. And, you know these games aren't exactly yeah, they're, they're they're you know they're pretty physical they're pretty taxing. Um, you don't want those guys playing that much, but again the Oilers uh, they don't really have a ton of of other ways to go to if they're going to try to win games. So um, I think I think they kind of have to. Uh, ride those two guys unless they obviously make a trade or something like that, which uh, uh, given our cap situation and the fact that this really this team uh, wasn't and isn't supposed to be, you know, where it is right now. um, They're kind of planning for a year or two down the road so that they don't want to, uh, at least I get the impression from general manager Ken Holland is, you know, he's not willing to make a quick, quick fix uh, trade to that would, you know, hinder or uh, do anything to um, impact you know the future of this club so uh, there might be riding with McDavid and Dreisaitl and uh, we'll see how, how far it can take them but it is a concern to have those guys playing as much as, as they are for sure.
0: Daniel, we were talking about this in the in the press box the other night. I mean, you look at the Oilers, and it's hard to argue with them as being a team that can win the the Pacific Division this year, just because of McDavid and Drysidle. If they get anything from the other guys, but in a playoff series, you'd almost you'd be more inclined to take the Coyotes because they have more depth and they have goaltending. With the imbalance that this group has, do you see them being able to succeed in the playoffs for more than one round if they lean so heavily on two guys?
3: Well, the fact that we're talking about playoffs and Edmonton, I think it's a minor win uh, for that organization anyway. But you, know, you make a very good point. I mean, uh, unless they're going to split up McDavid and Drysdale, which uh, Dave Tippett has done a little bit, but but not very much. You know, I was, I was, uh, I guess I wasn't really asked of him last, uh, a couple of nights ago. And, and uh, you know, that's an error on our part. But, you know, he that could have been potentially an opportunity to split those two guys. But they're, they're just playing so well. Um, but, you're right. I mean, that's, if they're going to play those two together, um, that's an opportunity for a, an opponent to, you know, especially one with a bit more depth, where, where, whether it's Arizona or maybe Vegas or, or whoever, to really load up and, and, and you know guard against that line. And then they're sort of pretty thin elsewhere. So, um, no, they're not at this point built for a long playoff run. Um, but that is kind of the direction they're hoping to head in the next couple of years when they get a couple of, of bad contracts off the books, when, you know, there's a few, you know, they're very rich in terms of defensive prospects um, that could probably help them a little bit in, in, the, in the coming years, but also probably be used to facilitate uh, some trades to maybe bringing it forward. Um, so, so things are definitely moving in the right direction, but no, they're, they're not built for a long playoff run right now. Um, I, again, I think you get in the playoffs, your, your goaltending is obviously a huge uh, um, you know, wild card and, and, and could, could uh, swing maybe uh, something in the oldest favor, depending. Uh, but it really has, uh, will kind of rely on on Mick and dryson them and make some stage defensive play if they can manage it.
2: Daniel, yeah, you know, as long as you're mentioning goaltending and, and another uh, name that's familiar to Coyotes fans, how has Mike Smith handled this transition into more of a rotation or maybe even a backseat at times?
3: Well, he's actually started more games than Koskinen, but, but obviously the numbers uh, aren't uh, as solid as, as Koskinen's. But Smith has had some pretty good games, um, you know, he's, I think he has two shutouts uh, and, and one very good game against Pittsburgh where he allowed uh, one goal on, uh, on you know, 52 shots or something like that. He won in that game. So he's had a few starts where he's, he's if not single-handedly, won them the game uh, very close to it. But then he's had a few other starts that were, you know, very suspect. He's been pulled two or three times, uh, um, you know, not, you know, a few other games where, especially recently, he's kind of gone back and forth between good game and bad. Um but you know he's 37, coming off the worst year of his career. Uh, although the the end of it was a lot better than certainly than the beginning of it. Um, so so there, there's some positives there for Smith. Um, you know, Koskinen is clearly the guy that that has played better. Uh, but you know the way that both goaltenders have have played, given how things were last year, uh, Koskinen. Uh, uh, got a pretty sizable contract extension. That day the Tate before, the previous GM, Peter Shirley, was fired in, in, a, in a kind of a perplexing move here. Uh, and, and then Mike Smith coming in as kind of a, an unknown. Um, the, the goaltending, for the most part, and Smith included, has been pretty solid. So um, I think any Oilers fan and the organization itself would, would have taken uh, the performance of Smith and, and Koskinen to this point. Uh, whether they can keep it up is, is a question that there may be seen, but the way that they're playing with, with the defensive structure, the penalty killing, um, it's certainly a, a positive sign for a team that has had its goaltending woes. Uh,
0: in the last number of years. Daniel, you might not know the answer to this. Maybe nobody does. But we've seen, from the Coyotes' perspective, playing the Oilers twice this year, and we've seen Koskinen in both games. And I hear what you're saying. Koskinen's been better this year. But Mike Smith, traditionally, against the Coyotes, has played out of his mind. Last year with Calgary, they started him every game. He was 3-1 and one with a 1.53 goals against. Obviously, Dave Tippett's very familiar with Mike Smith. Has any reason been given why he hasn't leaned on Smith specifically against Arizona?
3: The, the, the impression I get is that... Um, like it would be nice, obviously, for uh, Smith to to kind of go up against his old team, but you know the fact that he's been um, you know removed from the situation a little bit, being in Calgary, um, you know he's played on some other teams too. Uh, I don't think the, the kind of the luster of playing you know, for the Coyotes per se has I think maybe worn off a little bit. Like you know he, he you know it's not like it's his first trip back. Yeah, I, I hear you. In terms of the numbers are, are pretty good, but um, Tippett has really kind of. Use this two-game system for for goaltenders, uh, like giving them two starts in a row, um, and, and then letting the other guy go. Uh, pretty much, uh, he's also really wanted to get Mike Smith back in net when he's had a rough start. So he did not play very well as the team didn't uh, last Thursday against the um, the Kings. Um, Smith was pulled after the first period after allowing three goals on, on twelve shots, uh, and then he really wanted to get him back in there against Vegas. Uh, and um, that worked to their, their benefit. As Smith played pretty well, and, and the team did as well, uh, getting a 4-2 win um, over the Golden Knights. And so with the second game of the back-to-back, year, you're putting your other goalie back in. That's pretty much the norm around the NHL. So, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting kind of um, situation where, where he hasn't played the Coyotes this year in the two games. Uh, I don't think there's any... Reason not to in the future. I would suspect he would play against them at some point this year. Um, But it's just kind of, I think, more of the way that the scheduling has worked out with the two goalies than anything else.
1: Daniel, you've talked some about, uh, you know, obviously the top performers on the team, McDavid, Dreisidel, and everybody in the hockey world knows about those two guys, and, and to an extent, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and James Neal as well. My question is: As we see the Oilers having some success this year, are there maybe a couple players, one or two, that you can name that have been a big part of their formula for winning here that kind of go overlooked outside of Edmonton?
3: Yeah, I'll do two defensemen. Um, Oscar Klefbom, um, as of at least as of a, a couple of days ago, was leading all players a ice time. Uh, he's played a lot from the back end. Um, they played most on the power. Like he, the first power play unit basically doesn't come off the ice. And, and uh, you know, Clefon kind of does and James Neal kind of does uh, toward the end. But, but uh, you know, he plays a lot on the power play, uh, most on the team um, in terms of the penalty kill. Uh, and, and, you know, he's he's really helped bring in. Um, he's played with a lot of different partners when there have been some injuries, too. So so he's been a really uh, important player for them. Also, a young defenseman, a rookie defenseman named Ethan Baer uh, leads all, all rookies a nice time uh, the guy that uh, basically they bought out Andre Sekiro, a veteran uh, who had been injured a lot over the last couple of years uh, to kind of create a, a spot for, for the kind of these young defensemen that I mentioned earlier. Uh, Bear was probably not the front runner to, 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 uh, to get the job, it was it was people thought it was Caleb Jones who is now what the team he's been up for about a week and a half, um, but but Bear was great at training camp, uh, came in in a lot better shape and, and kind of you know was healthy too, uh, which are two things that he struggled with over the last you know year or two, uh, and really took the job. Uh, he was excited. I a pair with. Uh, Flip Clappom? No, I guess he was even further down the lineup. Uh, but when um, Adam Larson got hurt in the first game of the year, uh, he stepped up and started playing a top pair role with Darnell Nurse, and he's been tremendous pretty much throughout the throughout the year. So he uh, and Oscar Clappom are the kind of the two guys that outside of Edmonton uh, that you know have, have really made an impact that fans that probably around the league are not are not noticing enough.
0: Daniel Nugent Bowman, follow him on Twitter at DNB Sports. Daniel, thanks for the time. Enjoy the rest of the season, all right?
3: All right, you're very welcome. Thanks, thanks so Daniel.
0: Yeah, Edmonton is uh, that game the other night, it goes to overtime. Both games the Cowboys have played against Edmonton this season have gone to overtime. And I would do the exact same thing if I were if I were Dave Tippett. But what Drysaddle played four ten of the five minutes, and McDavid played four minutes of the five minutes. Yeah, there's sixty seven percent of your lineup in overtime. I'd be playing them almost the whole time. He used a timeout in overtime. You remember that, yeah, so yeah. that he could get them back out there. I was joking. I had a chance
2: to chat with him after the game. He's, he was joking. He's saying, "I think I'm going to lobby <laughs> for a, a second timeout, or or maybe I can conserve some and use a second one in overtime, so he could just play those guys the entire overtime."
0: I do. There's there's a little. Bit bit of, of uh it's just fitting that dave tippett was was the coach of the team and the coyotes in 2014 15 where they clearly just the season wasn't happening and the end of the season was the roster wasn't happening yeah nothing was <laughs> they should have gotten connor mcdavid out of that yeah. draft lottery it's an absolute scam that they didn't Not, i don't think it like the the lottery's rigged or anything but i just think it's a it's it's a joke that they didn't get mcdavid or at least eichel out of that and, and that
2: yet edmonton got the number one overall pick again. for the 17th time this, <laughs> since 1980 i think uh Sorry, but to exaggerate.
0: It's fitting that the Tippett still gets to coach McDavid. Preferably, it would have been here, but uh, but he still found a way to coach McDavid in Edmonton, and he had a perpetual smile on his face the whole time he was here the other night.
2: One thing that interested me about what he said is, is they're, they're really not thinking, and, and maybe this will change if they're in a, a really strong position. Maybe they'll try and tweak this roster as best they can with the cap situation they're in. But when you're thinking about a couple years down the road, and you're still playing these guys, this these type of minutes. Do you worry that over time, over two, three seasons, you're going to wear them down so that by the time you're ready to really compete for a cup, these guys are tired? Yeah. I, I don't know how to answer that. I don't, I don't know what you do with that roster. I wonder but, if – well, you know, in the
1: NBA, they have load management. That's mm-hmm. the hot, well, they not do it hot hot in hockey, or, too, actually. Well, yeah, and I just – I wonder – I mean, you, you're not going to sit Connor McDavid for a game, but, I mean, maybe maybe you pick some games on the schedule where he plays 12 minutes, 13, 14, 15 minutes instead of 25 you know maybe that's the route that they go
0: I, that probably is the best way to do it and i haven't looked at his game by game minutes i can try and do it here but to me if if i'm Tippett, it i'm basically running him into the ground to get into the playoffs because that's what i've been given i've been given the best player in the world and i don't know what drysdale is but he's one of the 10 best players in the mm-hmm. world and nothing else really so i'm i'm using them as much as i have to but on a night where i'm up 4-1 in the third period mcdavid's sitting most of the third period that's that's the best you can do because if they I think it's as simple as if they say, Okay, we're giving McDavid the night off. That's a loss. <laughs> like they're gonna lose every game right, he doesn't right, right. play. Right. So but uh you can you can definitely get to the point where I mean, they have games where they've blown teams out this year where you can probably just sit him a little bit in the third period. That's that's their best hope. Uh how about the Dallas Stars, who we don't talk about a lot on this show. They started the season one, seven and one and they are fourteen one and one since. Um it's a little extreme both ways, but where are you at with Dallas right now? I think my my feeling with them was, depending how long it took them to bring all the pieces together, because they went out and acquired Pavelski in the off season, and you know they've got some moving parts. Once they brought it together, they would get better from that point on. They're obviously not going to win at this rate, 14-1-1 in in 16 games, but, I mean, they're pretty clearly a playoff team to me at this point. And we knew that they had some high-end players near the top of that roster in Tyler
2: Sagan, Alex Radulov, and uh, Jamie Benn in terms of forwards, and then Miro Heishkinen was a terrific player last year, so it was about developing more depth, and and when Pavelski got off to the slow start, and it's not like he's putting up great points now, but he's he's starting to come around. For me, it was really about proving that they had the forward depth to sustain, and Right now they're doing it. They they've got a, a bunch of guys contributing. I, I don't think they're as good as they're playing right now. Like if they are, good God, they're they're going to just cruise to the cup because they're just demolishing everyone. But yeah. a lot of people saw this at the start of the season. I wasn't on board actually, but there were. If you looked at the uh, predictions, there were a lot of people picking them literally to
0: win the cup this year. Yeah, I wasn't on board with that either, and I still don't think they'll win the cup. But you have to take notice of a team that goes on a run like this.
1: Yeah, I never saw them as a cup contender, but I definitely thought they would be a playoff team. And they, you know, you look at their roster on paper; they've definitely got some names on there to say the least. And what you're seeing now, I think, too, with with the recent stretch that they've had, is some of their players are are hitting their stride. Like Joe Pavelski still has room to pick up his production, but you know they're going to get Rupe Hints back, or, or he is back. Uh, Corey Perry had five points in two games a few nights ago. John Klingberg's heating up, so you're seeing some of these really talented guys that they have, and they're hitting in their stride, and I think that's part of why Dallas is, is headed in the right direction. Corey Perry's a little bit of a surprise to me, too, because I I honestly thought he was done. I really thought he was done as a player yeah.
2: after
0: watching him the last couple seasons. I just, I, I I never understand, I understand why Anaheim, whatever, they felt it was time to part ways, because they're sort of in rebuild mode, although they're hovering right around that 82-point pace that we were debating at the start of the year. But to get him for 1500000 million, I'm not saying he would have been a fit for every team, but... Uh, He's 34. He's not 54. I mean, a guy, he's won a Hart Trophy before. I, I thought that was a nice move for Dallas simply in that if he's not good, then just let him go. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But here's the question for you on Dallas. With the goaltending they have mm. and the addition of a guy like Perry, potentially, and he's the minor one, but in addition of Pavelski, who steps up in the playoffs, is this team built for more success in the playoffs or the regular season? Because I almost feel like they're a more dangerous team in a seven-game series. Yeah, I, I would have to
2: agree with that. And, and, and you know how I feel about Pavelski already. He's one of... Mm my all-time favorite players in this game. He's a guy who always performs in big situations, and with the way they defend and
0: with that goaltending, this could be a very, very dangerous team in the playoffs. Where would you put that goaltending tandem? We talk so much about Kemper and Ranta, and I, and I do think Kemper and Ronta is the best, and I would say Rask and Halak is second. They're right there. To me, those two are 1A and 1B. But I think Dallas is... I'd almost take Dallas's goalies over the Islanders. For, from my perspective, the Islanders has been... Grice has been really good, and Varlamov's just been okay, and they play great defense because of Barry Trotz and his structure in front of them. But if you're telling me I, I've got to draft the tandems, it's the Coyotes and Bruins with the first two picks, I'd probably take Dallas with the third pick. Anton Khudobin has a 2.15 goals against average, and he's playing a lot. Is he a system goalie, though?
2: I, 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 I guess that would be my question about him in particular. Uh, ben Bishop doesn't have to prove anything at this point, but I'm not sure about Kudobin yet.
0: Well, maybe he is, but I mean, the system that they have in Dallas works in front of him. Yeah, sure, sure. I think a lot of goalies could succeed in
2: this system, Is I guess is my point. I think a lot of goalies could succeed the way the at least the way the Coyotes were playing earlier this season. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. going back that to the,
1: Going back to the start of the 2017-18 season, so so you know the past three seasons now. Anton Hudobin has a 920 save percentage, and as a team right now this year, Dallas has the third best save percentage in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just he's been solid, in, and I think people talk about those three tandems
0: Boston, the Coyotes, and the Islanders as they should. But really, I would take Hudobin over Varlamov right now, who's the Islanders' backup. I, I think he's because he started, he's well, he started eight games so far this season, but he's played in ten. So it's not like he's played three games or something. He's been getting in there pretty consistently. I'm guessing
1: he'll play tonight against Chicago. And speaking of of Chicago, they, the Blackhawks actually have the fourth best safe percentage ahead of the New York Islanders. Yeah, that'll last, but not the you fourth can keep best. giving up
2: 42 shots a game and you know <laughs> like 18 quality scoring chances and keep winning.
0: Yeah, I don't. I'm have, sure your goalies will hold up. I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but I'm guessing also, they they'll keep shooting 16. percent Yeah, where's your bell? Sorry, right here. Oh. I'm guessing they don't have the fourth best goals against average they just have the fourth best safe percentage uh, that's that's an educated guess without the stats right here in front oh
2: look and they're o two and one in their last three games aren't they uh, huh. I'm shocked I, that it didn't I, last. That's
0: that's something you would know and not me. Yeah, their goals against, they are, let me just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Oh, mind you, you find them down there? Mind you, okay. matches said they have what? The fourth best save percentage? That's correct. As a team? Yeah. The goal yeah. tenning's been spectacular. And the 11th best goals against. <laughs> when you see that discrepancy, that means the guys in front of your goalies uh, aren't necessarily doing their but, job. And if I
2: hear someone say, oh, but they're doing a good job of keeping shots from the perimeter. <sighs> <laughs>
0: Where's your big bell? No, they're not. You need that big bell. You need that Liberty Bell. I watch every Blackhawk game. (laughs) That's I am not fooled. It's the voice of a man who's watched too many Blackhawks games this year. Um, Which coach gets fired next? Do you think another one gets fired? So many candidates. There really are a lot, aren't they? Twitter
2: needs to add to its poll potential so we can get all the names on there. Bruce Boudreaux, John Hines, Jeff Blaschel, Peter Laviolette, who is uh, really on the hot seat right now, although they won a big game last night. Peter DeBoer. Oh, uh, we just mentioned... Peters up yeah. in Calgary. Uh, that's going to be an interesting situation to watch. And there's always John Tortorella, who's doing a good job, but you never know when he's when his next blow up is going to come, and maybe. Lead to them firing
0: him. He's an, active, active, he say. an active volcano he with very unstable <laughs> that's, ground now. That's though.
1: perfectly put. He really is. Well, the way I see this, anytime you, you talk about firing a coach, I look at it in terms of the team's performance versus the expectation of that team. And a lot of the coaches that were mentioned here, Boudreaux, Blashill, these are coaches of teams that aren't very good. So, yeah, they're losing games. Like to me, He's not
2: speaking like a GM right now, Matt. they not thinking about that at
0: all. Matt has a mathematical they're formula. about
2: fake projections, fake expectations. That's what's at play. That you have to act like a GM. The way
1: I see this <laughs> Be more is, unreasonable. <laughs> the, the way I see this is of the of the coaches that you've listed here on our show notes, but there's two that whose teams have really underperformed compared to expectation and to me that's Laviolette and Peters. Yeah. Even John Hines like the Devils have been a little better lately. They started off really poor. They're 6 6 and but 5 in a big off season. But they also have they have the fifth worst save percentage as a team in the NHL. When you're not getting goaltending it's really hard to win.
0: They I I would say the Devils though they're tied for the second worst record in the NHL. I I agree that Peters Peters probably had the highest expectations and then Laviolette the, their teams. Yeah. But I would say John Hines is is he's he's the next tier in the yep. sense that the Devils did go out and add PK Subban and Wayne Simmons and you get Jack Hughes in the draft and you just got Nico Hishier a Couple of, they shouldn't be one of the worst teams in the NHL. They, there's people talking about them making the playoffs this year, yeah. so I would say he's relatively on the hot seat too. A guy like Jeff Blashaw, I mean, you can fire him, but what? just do it at the end of the year, right? right. I mean, what are you yeah. going to get out of that? Uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, you could kid yourself, right? Oh, we should be making progress. Why? Why do you think that? No. <laughs> <laughs> We're shocked you've won 7 games this right. year. <laughs> and San Jose with DeBoer, I mean, if if they keep this up, he's I mean, they're they're 9 and 1 in their last 10, so they've they've recovered from a really bad start, but there are high expectations for that team as well because of
0: that blue line. So they need to make the playoffs. Before we get into the Coyotes, I just want to run through a couple of these teams. We just touched on Nashville and Calgary. If the season ended today, what, what's the stat at Thanksgiving? It's 75%. Yeah, something like that. I don't even remember. I, I have the Elliott Friedman stat stuck in my head now,
2: so I don't even think about the Thanksgiving stat anymore.
0: Yeah. But it's, it's, let's see, it's a significant chunk of the teams that are in a playoff spot on Thanksgiving. Make it. Make it. And Thanksgiving is later than usual this year. Like typically but it is
2: two days from now.
0: So. Yeah. But, I mean, typically we would have already passed Thanksgiving. And some of the teams that are not in the playoffs right now, if we started, Vegas, uh, Calgary, Nashville. It's incredible, isn't it? And don't say Chicago. Tampa Bay. Don't don't say Chicago (laughs) with feigned surprise. Chicago? How did they miss the playoffs? Mm -hmm. Um, Toronto and Tampa. Now, I mean, Toronto and Tampa are going to make it. Yeah, Tampa's only played seven games. (laughs) Yeah. Tampa actually they're so misleading. They have twenty six points in twenty one games. Yeah. They're having a decent season. Yeah. They just fine. don't get to play. They're fine. They're fine. But when you look around the league, of those teams I just rattled off Toronto, Tampa, Calgary, Vegas, Nashville, how many of those five do you think make it? I think Toronto and Tampa for sure. Yeah, I think both of those teams are in, but those other three, not so sure. Something's
2: not right with Vegas. I think Calgary Something. has a chance. To make it, yeah. I mean, I think they all have a chance. Well, well yeah, of hey, course. But they're I giving up goals like crazy. I, I don't know what's wrong in Calgary, and now this coaching situation. I don't know what's wrong there.
0: T- to answer your previous question, I think he's the first or the next coach gone is Bill Peters because the expectations were high for Calgary, arguably the highest. The, now the side story that you just mentioned that happened last night. I mean that that takes it to a whole different level. And also, when a team in Canada has high expectations. They get ratcheted up even higher because you're in Canada, and they're crazy for a cup. So I think that it looks like the job he's done is even worse or more egregious compared to a guy like Peter Laviolette, who could easily still turn Nashville around. I mean, Peters could still turn Calgary around, too, but... When you throw that side story in there too, that could change things dramatically. Here's another thing to look at with Calgary: they haven't played well in the division.
2: Um, that's that's something you gotta. I mean, it's not as quite as important as it is in the NFL, but a, a big percentage of your games come within the division, and they have the worst points percentage in the division. You gotta shore that up. Maybe teams have figured out what to do against them. Maybe it's just an early season slump,
1: but they're not playing well within the division. Can I just point out two things with Calgary? Number one, they won the Pacific Division last year. They had 50 wins, 107 points, and they brought back basically the same roster. The other thing I want to point out is on November 7th, they were 19 games in. They were 10-7-2 before going on the skid. So, Can I point out
2: another thing? That they're Jamie's poster team for nonlinear they progression. Really they're up, down, up, down, up, down. Every so year. I almost expect a down from the Calgary Flames this year. I mean, if if you do fire a coach, yeah. who are you looking at? Well, uh, you know, I, I don't know now. Yeah. <laughs> you're not looking at Mike Babcock. <laughs>
0: do you think he's completely off everybody's list? I don't right think he's now. I think
2: I need. I think there needs to be a cooling off period for Mike Babcock. Yes, mm, interesting. I don't think anyone's bringing him in this season. Those would be awful optics. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, if you're right, if if you get rid of him now. I mean, last offseason was the time to be in the the market for a coach, and maybe Toronto should have been thinking about that, too, because Joel Quindle and Dave Tippett were on the market.
0: Yeah, yeah, they absolutely should have at that point. you got to be aware of your surroundings. Um, yeah. Situational real, awareness. What, <laughs> that's overrated. One more thing from the Eastern Conference. If we're assuming Tampa Bay and Toronto get in, then that means at least two of the eight teams currently in have to drop out. Here's the teams currently in. Boston, Florida, Montreal, Washington. <coughs> Who's <that>? Montreal? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Washington, the Islanders, Carolina, Pittsburgh, and the Flyers. Which two are dropping out? I've li- Flyers and Montreal. Okay. Uh, yeah, I would tend to agree with that. Yeah, uh, it's definitely not the Capitals, Islanders, Bruins, or Panthers. Those teams I think are legit, um, and I think Carolina is too. I just Carolina the one team I can't really Mm-mm. figure yeah. out. I, I don't know. They're they're like they're the one team in the league I don't totally understand. It's a great story. It is. It is. It's a great story, and I'd love to see him make another deep run. I don't think
2: it's going to happen. I think Carolina could even go in with a really good record, and they, they, some people would be shocked if they buy out in the first round. I wouldn't be shocked at all.
0: No. Uh, I can tell you I don't. As it's currently structured, Islanders-Hurricanes first-round playoff series, that's the one to me that you put on public access TV or like C-SPAN Please, or something. I want to watch that series. Yeah, no, I
2: don't. The Islanders are such a good story.
0: I would watch still. They're both great stories, but I would watch still photos is of he, that series. Is he just getting better as a coach? He, yeah, yeah he's, he's, figuring just, <laughs> he's figuring
2: it out. He's figuring it out. He's He was good back in Nashville. Yeah. He was a great coach in Nashville. He's like
0: the Terminator that just keeps yeah. getting smarter and, he's and smarter. he's such
2: a good guy, too, to deal with. It's just like this impossible
0: combination. and are so just, lucky to have he him. He just talks and talks and talks. You're and... so happy, Arthur Staple. <laughs> uh, okay, let's hit the Coyotes real quick before uh, – well, let's transition into questions. You don't want to s-
2: talk about Jesse Pujarov. I suppose he could be part of the Coyotes topic since a lot of people want to trade for him. What do they want to trade for him? I don't know. I don't even know what the market is for him, but it uh, – Caution flags, caution yeah. flags. I'm not giving you anything that's playing. I don't want to, not giving you. Soderstrom. I don't want to give too much credence to this, but I have heard from more than one scout that he doesn't have a good mastery of the game. He doesn't think the game well.
0: That's concerning because that I've heard doesn't. That about other players, yeah, and a lot of those players aren't still on the Coyotes if mm. they were here. That's not something Chica loves. Um, and it 's not something Rick Tockett loves either. that is one of those things that, in theory, with experience, would get better. but there are certainly some players we 've seen them around this league. everybody at home think of one right now there 's there 's guys that <laughs> that don 't have situational awareness, and it doesn 't just suddenly appear. You know what I mean yeah um, all right let 's get into the uh well, let 's get into Nicholas Jalmerson real quick since you put him in the notes it 's sort of remarkable that they 're on the run that they 're on without him. Yeah, but no doubt they're not playing nearly as well defensively. No, and we
2: we'll, we can un, unwrap a lot of that right here. But coming out of the uh, interview room with Rick Tockett after the uh, loss to the Oilers on Sunday, um, I just happened to be walking by the players' lounge when Nick was coming out, and he was not on his scooter. I thought that was noticeable. He was uh, notable. He was just walking on his own, which is a great sign. It's been six and a half weeks. The timeline that I was told was ten to twelve weeks. So we're still early but my guess is he's going to start skating soon they're probably going to do you know the the requisite evaluations but my guess is he's going to get on the ice soon and we'll we'll see if he can be on the early end of that timeline and return sometime around christmas um
0: if anybody can do it, this guy can do it. Right? It's one of the toughest players in the NHL. And yeah. I'll, I'll throw this out there because I know people will eventually ask it. He got hurt blocking a shot. Will there be hesitancy to block a shot in the future? Nope. No. <laughs> that's he's been doing this for a while. Um, and yeah, that's where that's most
2: people answer from. the question too. No. Yeah. And then he'll stop and yeah. look at you. yeah. And is there something the next else question. you want to yes. ask me? Do you have uh, any intelligent questions?
1: <laughs> uh, well, fun fact here. Maybe this is stating the obvious, but since uh, Nick Jalmerson got injured, the Coyotes' penalty kill is 22nd in the NHL mm-hmm. at 78%. That is not a fun fact. Brad Richardson missed fact. some of that time, too, yep.
2: which impacted it as well. Yes, yeah. so don't go saying it's the assistant coach coaching the <laughs> unit. No, it's it's different personnel. It, that matters.
0: No, I think it's worth noting that they still get shorthanded opportunities. They're not all going well, in like they were last Lego year. Michael Rabner's going to get a breakaway every game. At least. Yeah. Over under one and a half breakaways for Michael Grabner tomorrow night against Anaheim. The I'm... Yahoo NHL tweet is still my favorite tweet of the season. I don't think I
2: saw that one. You, oh my god! You don't remember the one after he pulled away from PK Subban? No, I'll find it. I can't. I can't find it immediately. But okay, the, they uh, it was essentially saying the year is like it, the year is like twenty ninety seven. Michael Grabner, a dilapidated <laughs> bag of bones, is still faster than ninety percent of the <laughs> NHL defensemen. He's and so they show, fast. and then the, in the thread. They show a freeze frame of four frames where he picks up the puck, a loose puck, at at the uh, blue line, defending. P.K. Subban is even with him and already turning. He's already opened his hips and is pivoting because he knows Grabner's going. Yeah. And in the four frames, in each frame, Grabner is two feet farther away from P.K. <laughs> Subban, who's not a slow player. No. And, and the final – when they show those freeze frames, the only thing that it says above those frames is, Dear God.
0: <laughs> it's like trying to catch a comet on the it's ice. It's crazy how fast he is. It's because we've now seen it twice, and, and most recently in person, the Coyotes playing the Oilers. To me, Connor McDavid's the best skater I've ever seen, and he's the fastest player in the NHL. I would love to see a foot race just from end to end between him and Grabner. I don't doubt that McDavid would win it, but it would be really close. And I'm telling you, and this is not new this year.
1: I would take Grabner against anybody else in the NHL. He is so unbelievably fast. Well, if Grabner converted on like you know 50 or 60 percent of his breakaways, he'd probably be in the All Star <laughs> yeah, game and get the yeah. skate in the skating competition. He'd have
0: 50
2: goals. And that's, by not, now. <laughs>
1: that's not a shot at Michael Grabner, but I'm just saying. No, it's hard to score too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but- but, but when you're moving that fast, right, you have to, like, reach back for the puck, and the goalie doesn't even know what hit him. Um, I will say this with the Coyotes, too. I, I tweeted this out yesterday, so this is a shameless verbal retweet, but I think it's worth pointing out here. They're at 31 points right now in the standings. Last year, it took them till December 22nd. The year before, it took them to January 20th. And the year before that, January 13th, December 19th, the year before that. They're basically a month to two months ahead of where they typically are.
2: I retweeted that tweet,
0: by the way. I saw that. I didn't know yeah. what to do. It's, it's, yeah. I almost do you, pulled do you, over. Are you aware of how to do that? Um... I'll learn. Okay. What's that green button in the middle of the, mm-hmm. the Twitter? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, moving along, uh, mm. the Kaijas are giving up a lot of shots. They are. And they're I'll... giving
2: up a lot of chances, too. They're, they are giving up chances, and that's not a good trend. No, uh, they, they got to fix If you them. like Sean Tierney's charts, you can see that uh, in pretty form. But Rick Tockett talked about it the other day how they're just, he doesn't know if it's the schedule catching up to them, them just being tired, you know, a lack of practice time or. Whatever it is, they're just not winning those battles. They're not getting out of their zone. They're defending way too much in their defensive zone. It's putting a strain on their goalies. And again, it's no coincidence that Darcy Kemper, who set a franchise record with
1: 13 straight games of allowing two or fewer, has allowed three or more in four of his past six games. Well, yeah. and the Coyotes have the sixth worst face-off win percentage in the NHL, which doesn't help.
2: Yeah, and, and he talked about that as well. If you, if you break that down, uh, defensive zone face-offs haven't been as bad. Uh, he, he They had a little stretch where it wasn't great, but they actually improved in the last few games. And, and again, what happens on a face-off on the draw is a small percentage of what happens on a face-off. It's the plays afterward that decide who gets possession. But yeah, the bottom line is all those things add up, and... You're just defending too much in your own zone. And the other thing, and he's talked about this as well, when when you finally get it out of your zone, even if you have your skilled players on the ice, they're so tired from defending that all they're doing is dumping the puck in, you're giving up possession again, and then you
0: just start the whole cycle over again. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to pull up the numbers here, but I think it's worth pointing out, not a knock on, on Kemper at all, but over the last, let's say, three weeks, Ronta's played just as well as him, if, if not better If at not times. better uh, numbers wise, I'm just going from November 10th. I just sort of picked an arbitrary number. Ranta four starts, Kemper four starts. The uh, the save percentage is identical at 9.44. Goals against is 1.98 for Ranta, 1.93 for Kemper. Over the last week and a half, I would guess that Ranta has played better. They've mm-hmm. both played great, but they are under too much pressure now. They yes. you, you can't sustain this. So let's get into our 9,000. Uh, coy- there uh, are not a lot all coyotes questions. There are a the lot.
2: Did, did, uh, just a question for our listeners: Did you take advantage? Of the fact that Jamie's not here today, is that why we have thirty some questions? I don't blame you. Let's make it fifty next week. Um, and also, all of you is Jamie out next week too. <laughs> well, we'll see. Depends <laughs> on how the court
0: battle. Yeah, goes. if he gets sequestered, then he I'll be out, out for next week
1: too. By the way, I'll be on the road. So what? Really? Yeah, It's just gonna be me and Matt. Could be. All right. Is this officially my invite back to the Natty Hattie next week?
0: <laughs> Talk to Look, Luke. As long as you're in that, if you don't ever get up from that chair, Jamie can't ever sit down this in is the true. chair. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, Elden, favorite Thanksgiving side dish. Hashtag candied yams. I kind of want to click on that hashtag and see what else pops up. You answer the question. I'm going to click on hashtag candied yams. Oh, I
2: just give a shout out to my wife for the uh, stuffing that she makes—cornbread stuffing
1: with Italian sausage in it. That's good stuff. There's a lot of people that stuffs that inside a turkey and bakes it. Ooh. We always had the uh, That's good stuff. We always had the cranberry discettes as my dad. Oh would call no!
2: Them. Right out of the can. Like <laughs> yeah, I actually That's love awesome. them
1: though. I think they're delicious.
0: <laughs> yeah, it makes that sound. It's like. <laughs> That's the sound of Thanksgiving. Uh, I love yeah. that, though. I, I don't mind it at all. That's uh, good the, stuff. The best side is either cherry or pecan pie. Does that count as a pa- side? Well, pie is dessert, Luke. Uh, I consider that a side. Okay. That's uh, the one day of
2: the year where I... Is that, I that would, your... No, wait, no, cherry no, or pecan pie? Those are the top two. Did you say pecan? Do you say pecan or pecan? I was going to ask
1: that also. I said pecan. Pecan, okay. Yeah. How, how do you say it? Pecan. Yeah. Pecan? Yeah. It's do you nice. say Pecan? I I think I might just go you know whatever I'm feeling that day. back and forth yeah just <laughs> well, very noncommittal it's idea. like a verbal mood ring
0: basically
2: you're really working to stay in that chair aren't you you just don't want to commit to anything yeah
1: I just don't want to offend anybody
0: <laughs> it's such a nice change uh, Chris writes in. With Chikrin and Gali playing so well together, what do you see as the regular D pairs when Hammer returns and which pair is the third pair? At that time, does Ness or Labushkin go to Tucson? What outcome do you see for Comrie? Wow, Chris, that was 74 questions in Week. one tweet. It's a fascinating question, though. I with like with the, defense question. With Chikrin emerging,
2: it is a really interesting question. Now, we're a long ways from answering that. The coaches aren't going to answer that at this point because Chalmers is not even on the ice yet, so they're not going to be worrying about that. But down the road? It's definitely something to think about because Jacob Chikrin has thrust himself. Right now, he might be the best defenseman on the team. Yeah, the way he's I, playing. I, I play so it's, how do you? Him and then now you can find a way. One of the, one of the options may be just to find rotations where you're not always playing the same pairs. You're just making sure that those five guys are getting on the ice, and he's he's obviously a key. Well, you, you look like you're
0: smiling at me. I don't know. Okay. Th- I don't like that. Okay, I, no. want, I want the same, pairs so you want the same pair as much as possible. I hear what you're saying because you've got five guys potentially. Luke, why like, is that important? I just I feel like guys get in a comfort zone. We've seen it with Oliver before. When Jason Demers is out, Oliver doesn't look like Oliver. Now, does Oliver, does Oliver look like Oliver now? No, not in the last two weeks. No. He hasn't. And Jason Demers is there, so maybe you shake something up. But I'm just saying in general, I like the consistency. Certainly with in-game, if possible. When a guy gets hurt, there's nothing you can do. But I would rather pick... Uh, the pairs, and then just sort of stick with them for
2: weeks if I could. He, and and Chalmers' return is going to allow them to limit some of the minutes on guys they want to limit anyway. I don't think they want to play Alex Goligoski as much as they're playing him, but he's having a really good season. Yep. He's he looks completely revitalized, which you know if uh, I wrote a story about what he was dealing with last year, and it, it looks like that combination of just having his love for the game back and working with Phil Housley is really rejuvenated. He's playing well, but again, they don't want to play him. 24 25 minutes they'd really like to keep him in the low 20s so nick will coming back will help that i do think they like that pair that has become their go-to pair right now yeah, but i can't break that up but it's can you
1: break that up no
2: i don't think you can but some of it is out of some of it is because of the way oliver's playing right now
1: yeah well, I was actually going to address that too because that was sort of how I interpreted this question is what do you do about – you know do you keep them together? Do you separate them when Nick Jalmerson returns? That was how I took the question. My thought on that is that if you think Jacob Chikrin is having a good season and if you think Alex Galagoski is having a good season and that those two things are independent from each other, which might be up for debate, well, then it doesn't really matter whether or not you separate them. But again, you're saying you don't want to separate them. I, I suppose that's the discussion the Coyotes coaches will have, too, is why are these guys playing well, and does it have to do with each other?
0: I See, the part of the reason I don't want to separate them is because I think they are playing off each other. But I'm even just saying in general, when you come back and you establish lines or pairs, whatever they're going to be, I just don't like... I don't care who the first defensive pair on the ice is each night, or if they get, you know, if if you were the first pair one night and you're the second. I don't care about that. I just feel like you get something you can't necessarily quantify statistically. You get a benefit keeping the same guys together game after game.
2: Would you consider playing Chalmerson with OEL? Yeah. I would. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would too. I think. I'd want to see if that sparks him. I that, think he needs it. That right rock now. next to him.
0: When,
1: um, when they first. And I'm
0: not, that's not an knock on Jason Demers. No, I mean, all, And but, then what happens to Demers? He right. drops to the third pair. But see, that's the thing. He doesn't necessarily have to drop to the third pair. One night he could still be on the second pairing with Osterley or however you want to do it um, and just move the actual pairings around, but keep the pairs together.
1: When they acquired Nicholas Jalmerson a few years ago, am I remembering this correctly, that he and OEL wanted to play together?
0: Mm-hmm. There was a lot of talk about it. they They
2: literally discussed playing the two of them together. That, that was a big reason they got him. And that it didn't work out. Scotty Allen didn't think that that pairing worked out early on, so they switched it up. And Rick also likes the righty-lefty split a lot, so Jason Demers was a better fit, he felt. But... You know, things change. Chemistry dissolves a little bit. Maybe you need
0: to look at something like that again. I don't know. It's funny, Matt came up to me in the newsroom the other day. I think it was after the Washington game, was it? And you were like, How do you feel about how Oliver's playing this year? And then they played St. Louis, and I thought he actually played really good against St. Louis. But it's been up and down with him this year. And I don't. I think a lot of times, I've said this on the show before, I think people just like to look at Oliver's numbers, they're not watching the game, and they think, hey, he's not scoring. Well, he's a defenseman, and he's tasked with covering Conor McDavid every night when they play the Oilers. But he hasn't been great lately. He really hasn't. I think a lot of times he faces undue criticism because people aren't actually Mm -hmm. analyzing the game. He hasn't been good.
1: I was going to say, with Oliver ekman Larson, it seems like every team kind of has that whipping boy who just becomes the focal point of criticism whenever things aren't going. He's the
2: new Keith Yandel. He's usually a defenseman. And
1: I feel like Oliver's kind of been that for a while. Like And sometimes and like, it's been sort of wrong, usually. That, yes, exactly. They they criticize him, and it's not it's not fair criticism. I think now it's becoming fair criticism. We
0: should point out, too, Keith Yandel lost nine teeth the other night and finished yeah. the game and then played the next night, second half of a back-to-back. So no load management for Keith Yandel. <laughs> um, well, he's got that Iron Man streak. Yeah, that's right. He so should get bonus games if you're playing minus nine teeth you just lost. And the picture's great. It's him smiling with his new fake teeth on the bench going out there the next night. He should get, like... I don't know. So you should go to a like a, a costume shop, Just get, and a get some messed up teeth. Yeah, you know,
2: like that. Uh, or gold that Quasimodo would wear or something. He should be wearing <laughs> those around the ice. That would be something he would do.
0: too, by the yeah, way, yeah, it would. Uh, real quick, uh, Kyle asked about Dryside and McDavid. We sort of already answered that with the minutes they're playing. Steve. Uh, Steve, clearly the coaches see a downside to putting Garland on the ice in three on three overtime. Are they worried about his ability to defend? Talk a little bit about that. Uh, LOL, that was the talk. Talk about that was there for Craig, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I guess that's part of it. We've seen him in overtime. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say they're completely afraid of, of putting some him of his
2: matchups, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: You got. I mean, they're not afraid to put him out there in the shootout. Coaches, Jack, is there someone in charge of getting the championship pelt dry cleaned? Oh, I sure hope so.
2: I don't get the impression that anyone wants to clean it, actually. I think it's sort of uh, a thing that they're not going to clean it. I, I asked a few players, and, and it doesn't sound – first of all, there's there's this lining inside of it where that fits over the head, over the sweaty hair that they put on right after games. It doesn't seem to come out, so it, it it's not getting cleaned. And I, I did ask Stan Wilson, you going to clean that?" And he he just looked at me and said, "Nope." Yeah, well, that's
1: <laughs> he's like, "That's no, not." I think my that
2: time. answers your question. You that know. thing's going to just reek by the end of the season.
1: Yeah. Also, this is the first time in my life I've ever Googled, "Can you dry clean taxidermy?" So, <laughs> and
0: hopefully the last time you ever have to Google that. <laughs> uh, okay, I don't know that we're going to be able to get through all these. So we have to go quick. Desert wow, doggies, fifty-six. Yeah. Um, Tockett's system is quite different from Tippett's, and yet both seem to result in a similar product: a defensive mindset, strong goaltending, and scoring by committee. Is this a reflection of coaching styles or the players on the roster? Either way, I love it. Both, probably both. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll just leave it at that. I mean, Tippett Tippett is implementing it this year. Edmondson, I don't think. I, I get the feeling Tippett came in at the start of the year and was like, "Okay, this is how we're going to play defense." And somebody raised their hand and said, "What's defense?" And he had to start from the very like the the Webster's dictionary definition of defense. Right. Uh, Dangle Snipe Belly hockey survivor Ovi Stamkos Doan Marshawn Mike Smith who is voted off the island first and who wins wait 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 slow down with
2: those names who's voted off the
0: island first okay Ovechkin oh. Stamkos Doan Marshawn Smith um, Smith being Mike Smith, Mike Smith? he's voted Smith, off first yeah, he's definitely voted off Mike, first. Mike Smith is off first uh, and I would say Marshawn probably wins because he will do whatever it takes yes, he probably will something do whatever it
2: takes yeah something underhanded to win
0: I think he'd be voted off first and yeah. he'd win Shane,
2: Shane would be the fan's choice but uh, Marshawn would do something to undermine him
0: those would be the last two I would say I would say Smith goes off first then Stamkos then Ovechkin wanders off the island doesn't even realize he's doing it and it comes down because 't won that too much beer Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not A possible rodca. for him uh what was the 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 show in Canada? It was basically like Survivor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. what well, that don't took
2: part in. He was I'm like the first to, person yeah, to ever win to it. I had to
0: remember what it was. It was like, like Manhunter or something.
2: Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah he, yeah. he
0: was the first guy to ever win it and he yeah. like he didn't even realize that it was over. He was like, "Oh, that was it. Okay, <laughs> we can do it again." <laughs> um and one more best meat for a breakfast burrito with egg, cheese, and potato. Ooh, chorizo sausage or bacon. I'm going to say chorizo. But it's a slippery slope and a dangerous one. You have to get good chorizo. Eggs, what? What else is in it? Cheese and potato. Potato. I feel like the potato offsets the chorizo just enough where you're okay. I'm not a big chorizo fan,
2: actually, so I'm going to go. Is it well-done bacon? If it's well-done bacon, you know, applewood smoked, well-done bacon, I'm going to go with that. All right.
0: Sausage. Wow, look at that. Look at that. Around the horn. So we've uh, we've solved nothing. Sausage. Todd and Phoenix. Should the Coyotes sit Phil Kessel? He's visibly laboring every time he skates, and his overtime shift against Edmonton nearly cost the Coyotes the game, which they later lost anyway. Sorry, my face just hit the desk. No, he did. was
1: on the ice for a really long time in overtime. and you no, know, I mean, if he's hurt, yeah, sit him, but I mean, no. I think he's finally healthy. So, they, yeah, they need Phil to get going, like now. They need their
2: stars to get going. They need Phil Kessel. They need OEL. They need Clayton Keller to start producing more points. No doubt about it. But Phil Kessel, in case you haven't heard... Tends to play through injuries, and they don't yeah. get highly publicized. He had a groin injury that he was playing through; it definitely slowed him down. He's a
1: skater, so that mattered. He's come through that, so hopefully he'll start producing. They definitely need it from him. Also, he's another guy that has an Ironman streak, so for that reason, right. he's going to be very not wanting to sit. Also, his uh, shooting percentage is only six and a half, so yeah. that's something that's going to get back to the. He's gotten main a little initially. unlucky, at yeah. Times.
0: Um, I'm not as worried about Kessel. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Oliver. And Keller, I'm very worried about. Mm -hmm. But it's remarkable that they are challenging for first place, getting Mm -hmm. very little from those three guys. And on, on the one hand, it's like, hey, if those guys get going, look out. But on the other hand, I don't know you can do it for 82 games without the three guys that are probably supposed to be your three best skaters.
1: Well, also, that has kind of been the refrain for the better part of like a year and a half of like, oh, if this guy gets going. You know, we saw with Alex Galchenyuk and other guys, it's like you can't lean on that for years and years and years. Eventually, they have to do something.
0: Yep. Schmaltz is their best skater right now. Best offensive
1: player. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah no um, doubt.
0: And Connor Garland just scores. He just scores goals. Todd and Phoenix, again, who do you think is playing the best hockey for the Coyotes right now, and why is it Carl Soderberg? <laughs> <laughs> He's on the list. <laughs> He's
2: definitely He's there. He's on the list. Such a great addition to the team. Such a great addition.
1: For uh, Kevin Connaughton, who's been in the minors a lot. Yeah, another, <laughs> This is Kevin Connaughton.
2: Another just ridiculous trade by I Chuck. I keep hearing his voice. I'm one of the funniest guys I've dealt with. He's hysterical. Another dry sense of humor. Very guy. dry sense of humor, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, that'd be a great defensive pairing, Connaughton and Yandel, just for oh them to God, talk to each other. Yes. They were never here at the I just
2: hang time. out there in the locker room after games. I don't really care who did what in the game. I just want to talk to these two guys.
0: Uh, booper, real quick. Ultimate Thanksgiving guest list. Who's the one person that you wish you could share a meal with, famous or not?
2: Share a meal with?
0: Yeah. Mm. See, I immediately go to music, just because we cover all the athletes. So I feel like I've... Talk to most any athlete I'm going to want to talk to. Um, so I, I, for me, it would be like somebody like Jimi Hendrix or Kurt Cobain. Well, there you go.
2: I'd probably choose just a great chef, so I'd get a good meal out of it. <laughs>
0: Always thinking about yourself I mean, it
2: could be just like somebody could just throw like some lame burrito in front of me with with, with chorizo curious, or something. Yeah. Okay,
1: so
0: Matt, do you have anybody? With, uh, if you say I, Craig Morgan, you're off really. the show.
1: I, I did uh, Jamie Eisner. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, your meal would be ruined. Um, (laughs) Wow, this is a great question. We're going to get to that in a second. Uh, Being a runner, who are the Coyotes building around now? Who or what is at the center of what Coyote hockey is? Well, that second one's very existential, but who are the Coyotes building around now? Well, it's the core of guys that they've signed long-term, I
2: would say. Nick Schmaltz, Christian Dvorak, Jacob Chikrin, Mm -hmm. lesser extent the goalies, because I just don't think you sign goalies that long-term. No,
0: and. Oliver,
2: who's going to be here
0: a very long time as well. Coyote in Philly. Have you seen this question? I have not. If you had to replace Jamie with an animal that could speak, <laughs> what animal would you pick? <laughs> I'm going to go duck-billed platypus just off the top of my wow, head.
2: Wow, okay. That is yeah. very specific. Okay. Um, All right, I guess I have to get specific. Why a duck-billed platypus? You have to answer why.
0: Well, Talk I, about that. I, f- <laughs> I feel like you don't know what you're going to get from a duck-billed platypus <laughs> So, there's some risk involved. I have
2: involved. no idea what I'm going to get from a <laughs> duck-billed platypus.
0: But just the fact that he could speak already puts him ahead of Jamie. And I just feel like we're, the bar has been set so low by Jamie that let's take some risks with whatever animal we bring in. Don't,
2: the, don't platypi? Is it platypi? Platypuses? No, that's, that's your question. I, I'm going to go with platypi because platypuses <laughs> doesn't sound good. No. Uh, don't platypi have a sixth sense, a, a measured sixth sense? I think they have an extra sense where they can sense stuff around them. It's, uh, it's a fascinating choice there, Luke. I'm going to go with an otter. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. why? Because they're my favorite animals. Oh, okay. Remember I have that shirt that you still think is a beaver, yeah. but it's actually an otter?
1: Oh, that's an otter? I okay. always thought that was a beaver. No. Well, this is a sports podcast, so I would just go with Airbud. Airbud, Okay. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> uh, was there a hockey one? I don't Probably. there was. Probably. Probably. They're, sure they're, they're like 75 Yeah, movies. they had like bocce ball and like croquet. <laughs>
0: right.
2: What sports left? What could they still do? Uh, have we done chess? <laughs> Chess would be great, actually, having them sit across the table
0: from each other, nudging the the, the pawns. I really want to see that. They tried the spelling bee; it was a little quiet. Mm. Um, Who starts? This is Ian. Who starts producing goals at a respectable rate sooner, Keller or Schmaltz?
2: Well, Schmaltz is already producing goals at a regular. Are you talking about scoring goals or producing goals? Because Schmaltz is already producing goals at a
0: a very good rate. Yeah, I have no concern with Schmaltz. I think he's been their best forward this year, and Garland's been their second best, and Keller has been their not one of their five or six best so I'm yeah. much more concerned with him mm-hmm. um, let's <laughs> is this well, here Alex is this the most complete roster the Coyotes have iced in years yeah I would say so I would say so too well, yeah. top it's, to bottom
2: honestly <laughs> not a lot of competition let's let's just be honest about that how high yeah, uh, yeah, is that more
0: yeah yeah, but I mean, if you want to even go back to the years they made the playoffs, those three straight years with Tippett, and it was a different era, and their defense was built differently, and I get that. But there's not like we're sitting here and we're talking about how Oliver and Keller and Kessel have not been what they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But if you took salary and all that stuff aside for a second with those three guys and what they've done in the past, it's not like any of those guys have been bad. You know what I mean? They're just ask, they're counting on those three for more, and they're not getting it. Right. But if you take all that aside, none of them have been. Dad, no. And they just have a... There's not anybody on the roster that I'm like, okay, well, every time he's near the puck, I'm worried. There's nobody like that.
2: I would like to point out on those Tippett teams that Martin Hansel was the number 1 center.
0: So, yeah. Just saying. I, not I, a lot of competition. Take aside the, the 2012 playoffs when they were playing mm-hmm. out of their mind and Mike Smith was playing out of his mind. I think I would take this team against and the 2011-12 team. At the center position that yeah. they have
2: fielded over yeah. the... Mm-hmm. Iced over the years I shouldn't say fielded I, I feel like you're skipping a, a question That I'm waiting for you to ask well, there, I'll just wait There's a know. lot So I'm right. just trying and, to you know, Vic, yeah. His first name might be Victor we, That question you might want to ask an,
0: We've answered the uh, the OEL ones That's why I'm, I'm not I'm just kind of scrolling through through all those okay. Um, okay Is this the Is it from it's Victor? It's a two-part question Okay, yeah Two yeah. questions Number one How annoying is it to Luke And the other one The other one The, the out-of-towner Victor, <laughs>
2: a really good start to this question
0: that Craig Morgan's analysis on well, pretty much anything is usually spot on. I don't know. You're going to have to answer that, Luke. Obviously, I can't. Um, well, first of all, we know that Victor is Craig's burner account. Uh, no, I I like Shoot. it. I, is I, it that I, obvious? Yes, it is. Kay. I'm surprised just, you didn't just go. Craig Morgan actually an anagrams? <laughs> yeah, I added a V. <laughs> Nagram. I can't do Craig backwards. Gark. Um, it's not annoying to me at all, actually. Craig is one of the people I trust the most when it comes to hockey analysis.
2: Are you feeling nauseous right now hearing this response?
0: <sighs> Craig's all right. Oh, Craig Morgan. I thought <laughs> I thought <he laughs> said Craig <laughs> Custance. Sorry. Okay. No. okay <laughs> there we go. Uh, Craig Morgan. He's fine, I guess. He's the country fine. singer? fine. Um, second part. When will Jackie debut on the Coyotes postgame report or between the second and third periods? Well, when we need a ratings boost. Is that, a,
1: is that one of the ducks? Yeah, that's Okay. One of the ducks. I didn't get that. I understand now.
2: Oh, see, now you know. You need to come with this institutional knowledge, Matt. It's part of being prepared for the show. (laughs) I'm a casual listener. You need to know Luke's duck's names. You will love this. Actually, I don't know more than two.
0: Having just moved. Ulfie and Jackie, yeah, that's I, all like I a remember.
1: Ulfie, because Rick Tockett gave it that. Name. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Samuelson. And, and, exactly.
0: and, uh, and, and Jimmy. Jimmy's the big mallard. And, Jimmy. Uh, okay. And Tanev. And yeah. then there's one that's. There, so you still him. have Tanev? We, yeah.
2: He's still named Tanev? Okay, yeah, but you don't you ever see it? him
0: because you never see him on the ice <laughs> in Pittsburgh.
2: that's right. Uh, but you will be seeing him in a u- uniform uh, for a long time. <laughs> uh, Penguins uniform,
0: that is. Yeah. Um, not anybody else's uniform. Move, just the moving, <laughs> moving into a new uh, apartment in the past week. I had to carry an armful of ducks past the front desk, and they <laughs> that just that kind must of looked interesting. In the, yeah, yeah, and I don't know where <laughs> to put them, so they're just prominently displayed in the middle of the apartment. So people come over and they're like, "Oh, you like stuffed ducks, huh?" So thanks, thanks for that. Thanks to everybody who sent in stuffed ducks. I appreciate it. Uh, Mike, the Ottawa Senators are only four points out of a playoff position at this time. They've won three straight. Who will they trade away so that they fall back in the standing and not get their fans' expectations up? Probably whoever gets caught in an Uber next. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, They have been—we need to talk about them for just a second. Okay. Is it it all Anders Nilsson and Brady Kachuk? Anders Nilsson has actually had a really good season in net, and he cannot be facing— Low percentage shots. I haven't looked at the numbers, but I'm guessing Ottawa just lets the other team take slap shots from three feet away, and he's still stopping them. You
1: know that Thomas Shabbat is really good. That, he is. they top defensemen he there. He's a really good
0: player. Maybe they'll ship him to Toronto for their worst player to help out the Leafs again like mm-hmm. they did in the offseason. Mm. Um, let's see. Hold on. Somebody else talk while I scroll through some of these. Hi. How are you, dear listeners? It's it's nice to have you here. Okay, fine. That's what I've got. Thanks. Thanks. Um, Jack Craig might have the answer to this. I don't. Does anyone have the background of why Teppo Newman was given the nickname Repo? Repo man. What's a re He repossesses the puck. Okay, takes takes the puck away from players.
2: Um, he was also a big YouTube fan. Ozzy, you probably didn't ask that. No, he didn't.
0: Ozzy writes in. I get the argument for uh, Macar, but are we not giving enough credence to Quinn Hughes? I guess that's for Rookie of the Year. Uh, yeah, I would Obviously say
2: so. Obviously, a Canucks fan here. Is he? I don't know.
0: I don't think he is. Uh, I I, w- I would say there's something to that. Hockey and stuff, duh. That's all it says. I, <laughs> well, that maybe he is a good next <laughs> thing. No, I mean, I, I think the Rookie of the Year race, we talk about McCarr because he's going to win if they keep going like this. And we talked about Victor Olofsson because he's probably a finalist if you vote right now. And we talk about Hughes and Kako because they were the first two picks. But Quinn Hughes has been really solid for Vancouver, and they're hanging around. Um, Cheryl, with the exception of one quick goal in both games... The Coyotes have mostly contained McDavid and Drysidel. What's their secret?
2: Brad Richardson. That line, really. They've done a good job against him. They really have.
0: They did a good job in the last game. Um, Michael, which mascot would win a fight amongst all NHL teams? That's probably the question that we're going to have to research and then forget to answer next week.
2: uh, I'm going with Gritty. Yeah. I'm
0: afraid of Gritty. I think Gritty would fight very dirty.
2: Yeah, Gritty's got those crazy eyes. He's from Philly. Come on. Yeah
0: you know yeah. what i love he'd throw about
2: stuff he'd have things to throw
1: at he you would. he'd have weapons. hard he objects. would bring weapons into yeah. the ring it'd be blunt force trauma yeah. that's how he would win that's violent well yeah it's great if you see the media guide for the philadelphia flyers gritty is wearing a suit it's hilarious it's, <laughs> he, has, he has a mug shot like a <laughs> yeah. headshot in the media nice. guide and he's wearing a suit yeah
2: well hitmen wear suits sometimes too depending <laughs> on the
0: job um Coyote Mick wrote in TMI in reference to something, and I don't know what it's in reference to, but I agree with him. It probably was. Too uh,
1: Jamie's legal battles, I okay, believe. Okay,
0: well, here we go. Derek, can you tell us more about Jamie Eisner's legal troubles? Uh, I feel like we'll wait till we get subpoenaed, and then we'll tell. It's an ongoing <laughs> investigation. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yes. perfect. Um, perfect. I yeah. will have a book at some point.
0: A L- lot of questions about OEL, which I think we kind of touched on. We so did. I think we're going to wrap it up just because we're an hour and a half into this one. Uh last one. Chris in Phoenix is Napkin Jamie a wanted paper cloth in multiple states. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Probably. Yeah, at Simply least through association. At least 9 states with his uh his mm-hmm. 9 wives. Well, 9 that we know of. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for us, Matt. How was if you had to sum up your experience in three words or less on the uh on the show he, today, he, what would you give such... much latitude there, did no. you? Three words or less? Yeah. Or fewer,
1: yeah. Uh, that was already three. words. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Craig brought uh, donut holes and yeah. coffee for everybody. Thank you, Craig. Use
0: the proper terminology on those, by the way. You, you donut didn't. holes. Uh, that was wrong, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Hey, but uh, sorry, I didn't. I was agreeing with the fact that Christina wrote in Thanksgiving pie, pumpkin, pecan, or other, and the answer is pecan, unless you go cherry. I would actually lean cherry pie over all pies, mm. but uh, okay. Matt knows where his donuts are punched, right? <laughs> You guys not going right to answer there, the buddy. question. No.
2: What, what, oh, well, had another question. I thought you were wrapping up the Whoa, show. But
0: this is an urgent question because Thanksgiving question. is in okay. two days. It was what? Which pie? Which Pumpkin, pie? pecan, or other? I'm going to go other. cherry one and then pecan two. Other. Well, what's your other? Got a couple. Are you
2: going to say like mince meat or something? No, that's disgusting. Oh, okay. Mince meat pie is gross. It's like the leftover meats. Nobody should eat that or shepherd's pie or all that. Anybody who eats that, yeah, just don't talk to me anymore. It's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> But in terms of dessert pies, my favorites, my, my friend passed along, a friend from college passed along a family recipe for sweet potato pie, and it's insanely good. I like banana cream pie, and I like key lime.
1: Hmm.
0: Weird. Those okay. are my
1: three favorites. Weird. Yep. He just called me weird, yeah. Matt. Three pies that really shouldn't make the list at all. Go ahead. Uh, I'm fine with some key lime pie. Um, I also enjoy pecan pie or pecan pie depending on on the day uh, how you yeah. feeling <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> what tips the scales toward pecan or pecan is
1: it like sun or rain <laughs> no i i don't know i just it's one of those things tomato tomato um blueberry pie very underrated just had oh, it the other day for like the first time like very a good. pie that
2: i simply won't eat blueberry yeah it's- side note my wife used to make blueberry pie thinking i liked it but it was actually my best friend who likes blueberry pie she did this like three times it was does like, she know this now she knows now yes. oh okay but it, it, it was a problem
0: for a while Oh, Does she okay. think you're just you're being uh, you're lying, and she's just going to keep making you the I don't blueberry know. pie? Because that I, maybe be she awesome. just
2: wasn't attentive enough to my needs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hope that on Thanksgiving Day you show up to the uh, kitchen. There's just blueberry pie everywhere. <laughs> All right, that is going to do it for us. For Matt Layman, Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hatrick Podcast.